just like the rain saturate my thirsty soul come and fall afresh Lord feel me Jesus heal my heart just bow our heads together wonder how many would just lift your hand up to him and say Lord fill my cup again heal my broken heart make me whole I need you now say Lord I need you Father we count it quite an honor to be here standing in this moment we know it's a moment that's been ordained before the foundation of the world you knew every heart that would be here you never knew every broken heart that would be here. You never need that would be here, Father, every situation. Lord, you're mindful of it, Lord. And God, we just ask that you would come this afternoon and you would touch our hearts by your grace and grace this place with your presence, Lord. That these young folks and older young married folks, whoever's here, Father, Lord God, that they could feel your presence, Lord. They could feel the reality of a living God. Father, we need you, Lord. We ask, God, that you would be very personal to us. You would open our hearts. May our hearts be open to you, Lord. And you just, we open every door. Lord, I know there's been doors that we've kept closed, but today we want to open every door and say, Father, come into every place, Lord. Feel welcome in every part of my heart, Lord. I give it all to you. I surrender my all to you, Father. Pour your spirit out on me. Lord, we commit this service to you, Father. I believe we'll reap eternal rewards from it, Lord, as you give us fruit, Lord, today of, of your grace and mercy and lives. Lord, there's some here today that didn't even think they would be here, but somehow, somehow, but God came on the scene and Amen. made a way, Father, and they're standing here today, Lord. And they're here for a reason, Lord. They're here for a conference with you. That you can reveal yourself to them, Father. That you can show yourself to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not just their daddy's God or their mama's God or somebody else's, but their own true living God, visible to them, Father. Tangible, Father, we pray. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's an honor to, to be here with you today. I count it. A great honor. It's not something that I take very lightly. I take it as very important to speak to the younger generation. And I know that you're facing a lot of things that a lot of us uh, didn't face when we came up. Uh, but uh, I will say this, God's still God. And uh, I, I know that there's many young people in this generation that are overcoming and, and uh, God is raising up, amen, souls to the kingdom of God and, and gifts of God. And right in, right in the middle of the darkest time Satan's ever had. What a, what a paradox. And, and uh, so I love you with all my heart and, and I, I'm thankful for this time to speak to you today. Just going to take a little thought today. The Lord had laid on my heart for this this time, let's turn to John chapter 2 and also Revelations 3 as well. Amen. 
Amen. If you don't mind, I'm just going to get comfortable here. I, Brother Joel Forney, I don't know how many knows him, but he said nobody can preach or fight in a coat. And uh, I agree with that. Amen. Uh, John chapter 2 and verse 13. The Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changer of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, the sheep, the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make, my, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Amen. Let's turn to Revelations chapter 3. I'd like to speak to you today on the zeal of my father's house. The zeal of my father's house. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear." And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that they, thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also have overcome and have sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. I'd like to speak to you, as I said, on the zeal of my Father's house. Uh, just looking at this word, zeal is a great energy uh, or enthusiasm in pursuit of a certain cause or uh, an objective. Zeal is all out, it's committed, it's convicted, it's drastic, it's extreme, it's intense, it's passionate, it's radical, it's severe. Zeal opposes average, comfortable, cautious, indifferent, lethargic, moderate, normal, or usual. Amen. So I, I believe that uh, God is looking for someone who has some real zeal about the things of God. Uh, as he would have zeal about his father's house, as he would see, he would come, you know, he would wanted, he wanted someone that would love him. 
He, he didn't want to give a bunch of rules and regulations and laws and you do this or you don't do that. He wanted a people that would love him. And, and you know, he didn't want to have to give them, you do this on certain days, don't do this on certain days. Uh, you know, and all the laws and all the regulations and things that he had placed there, that was not his desire. His desire was somebody that would serve him because they loved him. And out of their love, they would be committed. They would be convicted. They didn't have to have a rule or a regulation. They didn't do it because it was a rule or regulation. They would do it because they loved him. And, you know, I, I look at, at the time in your, your youth, and I, I remember, you know, when I was a young person, the energy that I would have once have and, and, the, and the zeal for things and all of that. And, and a lot of times you go all in on things. You know, you, everything that you do, you want to be all out. You want to be committed. You know, you want to... You know, if you're going to be a, a snowboarder, you want to be all in that. You get every, all the gear and you get everything that you got to have. Got to have the best, you know, you got to do. Because there's some there's a passion in there, amen, for that. Or if it's a hockey or, or, or football or basketball, whatever it is, hunting, amen, there's something there that you want to try to put your passions and your goals and, and what you're trying to do. Now, I, 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 I believe that if somebody's a real true hunter and they're a trophy hunter, they're not satisfied with just killing a little spike deer or, or a little doe or something, they're looking for a real trophy and they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to gain that because there's a zeal or a passion there. And, and you know, and I, and your youth, you have, a, you have the ability or the energy, amen, to put that kind of passion into things. And now at me, now at 45, one day I used to run down the court and play basketball and I, I don't find it that easy to do that anymore. Uh, I find it that it hurts. I find that I, I just don't have the same zeal for that anymore. I, I don't really care to do that anymore. There, you know, things have changed. I, I'm coming up towards maybe being a grandpa and things in my life. Things are moving in a different direction, but there was one time that I couldn't wait for some guys to call me and say, hey, let's go play a pick, pick up basketball game. Let's go play this. Let's go do that. Because there was a zeal. There was a passion. There was something in my heart for those kind of things. And you know, and, I, and I'm looking at this as you're, you're right at the prime of your life to, to give everything you have to God. Amen. You don't, you don't have to wait till you're 20 or till you're 30 or till you're 40 to surrender everything. And that. Well, then, I, well, then you won't have the energy that you have now. And God is looking for someone who will be convicted, uh, committed, convicted, will be extreme. Amen. You know, the world is becoming extreme. How come we can't become extreme about the things of God? Amen. They, they're becoming extreme about their ideas and what they're doing and how they're doing things. And, and they become so extreme and so passionate about their rights and, and all that they got, you know, they'll go out and they'll paint their hair purple, they'll tattoo their bodies, they'll, they'll pierce their bodies, they'll do, why? Because they have a passion towards that. And I, I have to think that on the other side, there's a people with a passion, there's young people with a passion towards the things of God. Amen. That it's not just a bunch of rules or regulations or ideas of men, you don't look at it that way, but you do it because you love God. You do it not because your pastor said it or your daddy said it. Amen. But you do what you do because you love God. Amen. That's where it has to be. You know, I, I don't look at this uh, message as a bunch of rules and regulations and things. I look at it as a love of God that has been poured into this generation. A love for me that he would find me in my sin and he'd find me in my doubt, my unbelief. And he'd find me. You say, well, Brother Timothy, you was born in a, a Christian family. You was born in a preacher's home. You're a PK. 
day, you know, you got it all. You, you was, you, yeah, I had more pressure than most people had. Amen. But yet I, I was one of the biggest hypocrites anybody had ever been because I could act the part. I could look the part. I could, I could do it all. But inside of me, I didn't have the love for it. But one day, God came on the scene for me and it began to show me that it wasn't just for my father. It wasn't just for my mother. It wasn't just for somebody else. It was for me. And I want you to understand, God is trying to show you this morning or this afternoon that, amen, it ain't just for your daddy. It ain't just for your mama. Daddy may be passionate about the word of God. Mama may be. But God wants to place that same passion on the inside of you. Amen. A love, that it can be a love affair between you and God. You know, but I, I know one of the hardest things for young people to accept is love. Real care, you know, nobody cares, nobody understands, nobody knows what I'm going through, nobody, nobody knows the situation that I'm facing, nobody would understand if I tried to sit down in a two and three hour conversation because, I, you know, I'm on my own. That's just what the devil is wanting you to think. He's tried to pull you away, and now hasn't he devised such a plan in the last few years as he's pulled people away, and, and we've had to social distance, we've had to uh, 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 quarantine, we had to pull ourselves back. And we ain't been in fellowship, and he's trying to get people alone so they'll think that nobody loves them, nobody cares, nobody understands. But let me tell you something your mama, your daddy loves you. Amen. They love you with their hearts. They love you. Amen. And, and they, they, even if, if correction sometimes seems hard and it seems like why? You don't know why. They're doing it because they love you. Amen. This is where God would say, amen, I, I have to bring this correction, but I'm doing it because I love you. Amen. See, amen. See, so if God is looking for you to be a ze uh, have zealousness or, or zeal about you, he would not want you to do that without him being that himself. So we've just read the scripture as he would do what he'd done. The, the disciples will remember, amen, what the prophet had spoke about, the zeal of my house. Amen. So I want to look at a few things on zeal because uh, God is not lazy concerning his word. God is going to bring to pass his word. He's going to perform what he said he would do. Therefore, he has a passion to watch over it and to bring it to pass. We can read in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and the name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. I'm going to watch over this, and I'm going to make sure it's going to happen. And he was watching over a little teenage girl, and watching over her womb, and watching over her purity, and watching over her to make sure she was there at the moment. Amen. To meet the angel of God, that God could come and bring her a special visitation. And what was born in her was not born of man, but born of the Holy Ghost. And he was zealous and he watched over it and he made sure it would come to pass. 
We look in Isaiah 59 and verse 16. He said, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought him salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothes and was clad with a zeal, a zeal as a cloak. Amen. He put it on as clothes. He put it, he surrounded himself in zeal according to their deeds, according According, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will pay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, from the glory and from his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. The redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. Lord, my spirit is upon thee, and my words which I put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forevermore. He said, I'm going to clothe myself with zeal as a cloak, and I'm going to bring this to pass. Amen. I want you to understand your enemy is not going to get away with what he's done to you. But God is going to pay, repay him recompense, recompense to what he has done to you. Amen. He's not going to get away with nothing. The devil is not going to get away with tormenting you and spirits that's coming against your mind. He's not going to get away with it. But God is going to bring judgment upon him. Ezekiel 5 and verse 11 says, Wherefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, surely because thou hast defiled my sanctuary with all thy detestable things and with all thine abominations, therefore will I also diminish thee, neither shall my eyes spare, neither will I pity. A third part of thee shall die with pestilence, and with famine shalt thou be consumed in the midst of thee. The third part shall fall by the sword round about thee, and I will scatter the third part with all the winds, and I will draw a sword out of sword after them. Thus shall my anger be accomplished and I will cause my fury to rest upon them and I will have comfort and they shall know that I the Lord have spoken it in my zeal. Amen. When I have accomplished my fury upon me. And we also find that not only does he have a great zeal towards your enemy or to somebody that willfully disobeys him, but he also has a great zeal for you. Amen. Zechariah 1.16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built upon it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was zealous for Zion with a great jealousy. I was jealous, it's the same word, I was jealous with, for Zion with a great jealousy. I was jealous for her with great fury. So God has a zeal for you. He has a passion for you. God loves you. Even when you think yourself to be unlovable or anybody else don't love you or anybody else don't care, God loves you. God cares about you. God knows what you're going through. He knows the mind battles. He knows the spirits of oppression. He knows the things that are coming against you time after time after time. And the doctors want to say, well, you got this problem and you got that problem. No, it's the devil that's coming against you. But God is going to bring recompense upon your enemy and bring him down for destruction. The devil will not win. 
Oh, that ought to make us rejoice right now. Because some of you, the devil's been tormenting you. And he's been telling you you ain't going to make it. He's been telling you your daddy might have been okay, but you're not okay. He's been telling you you're going to hell. He's been telling you you're losing. He's been telling you you're going to lose everything. He's been telling you all kinds of things. You know what he's doing? He's telling you his own thoughts. Because that is what the Word has said about him. He's going to lose everything. He's not, he's not eternal. He's going to hell. Hallelujah. If he told you you're going to hell, that's only because he has seen it in the Word for himself. He knows what his end's going to be. And he's only trying to give you his thoughts. He has such a passion for his word. He has such a passion for his people. He has such a passion for his house. And I ain't just talking about this wooden structure here. I'm talking about these these buildings of clay sitting right here in front of me. He has such a passion for what goes on on the inside of there. He has such a passion. Jesus found they had turned sacrifices into traditions. And this is where we got to be very careful that we don't turn this message into nothing but a tradition, a learned behavior. We're not interested in a learned behavior. We're interested in the life of the message. There is a life. Amen. To where it becomes such a, just a form of worship. To where they made it into a money-making deal. And that's all they had thought about was, uh, you know, to be, and they made it easy for everybody, you know. You, get, you just come up here and instead of raising in the lamb, instead of it, it becoming part of you and part of, your, 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 uh, of what you've done. And you've put, put your time and effort into it. And you, now you just come here and you pay a few pennies and, or pence and you get you a dove or you get you a lamb. It's already provided for you. Listen, we want more than that. We want something that's real. And I, I mean, you can, this, this, what, this life cannot be handed down. Listen, as much as I would love to, I would love to just hand it to my son or hand it to my daughter. It can't be handed by me. It only can come from God himself. But God has such a passion, amen, for his word and for his people that he'll provide a place to where they can come in the right atmosphere and God can draw them close to him and have fellowship with him and a love affair begin. God is passionate for you. John chapter 2 and verse 17. I'll read it again in another translation. And this is where I heard this many years ago and preached from this. His disciples remembered that the scripture said, My devotion to your house, O God, burns in me like a fire. <laughs> like a fire. Something, it's like Jeremiah would say, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Amen. There's something that's going on the inside of me that I can't contain it no more. I want everyone else to know. Amen. You listen, we want a revival. You know where the revival starts with? Amen. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts individually. Amen. You know, Brother Branham said, if we can get one or two people on fire for God, it'll do more for a church than 40 revivals. Amen. What can this church, these young people do to this church if you get one or two of them on fire and it begins to spread and it begins to move and it begins to go over here and then all of a sudden there's a passion for the things of God. Oh, you got a passion for hockey and you got a passion for this. Why don't you turn your attention towards something that's eternal? 
I mean, I think about it. You know, we just had, I just read today that finally somebody won it, but they had such a passion for this lottery that was going on. You know, it's building up and building up, and it's getting up to one point something billion dollars. And people were like, whoa, what could I do if I got that? And what could I do if I could buy this? And I could do that. I could pay off debt, and I could buy three homes, and I could buy 10 cars, and I can buy, and I can buy, and I can buy. They had a passion, and they would do whatever they could to go buy them a ticket. And they would get lines or whatever it takes. I, I got to have one of them. And I, I got to have a, just a chance of winning. Just a chance. Listen, I want you to understand that you're here by more than just a chance. You're here by the predestinated will of Almighty God. And we're not here to win something that's just a temporary moment and a temporary pleasure. And $1.3 billion can burn in an instant and be all gone and worthless. But I'm here to tell you there's something that you can be passionate about that's not going to go down. It's not going to wear out. It's not going to be gone one day. One here the next and day the next day it's gone. No, this word is eternal. And there's a young people that say, I have a passion for the things of God. The zeal of my father's house is eating me up. Some of us can tell about, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't, I can't hardly name even a couple hockey teams. But I guarantee you, there's someone here can name not only every hockey team, they can name every person on the hockey team. How many. How many goals and how many this and how many that and how many penalties and he spent this many minutes in the penalty box and why you had a passion for it? But if you turn that passion toward the things of God, then you would know what the preacher's talking about when he said, Brother Branham said, and oh, you know what? I just read that. I just heard that on the tape. That, that, that does something for me. Amen. Let's turn to such and such. I just read that this morning. Yeah. And so why? Because there's something on the inside of you that is wanting more of God. Yeah. Amen. He's a God of zeal. He's not lazy. He's not lethargic. He's not indifferent concerning his word or concerning you. He's not sitting up in heaven drinking his glass of iced tea and like, well, boys, it's pretty bad down there. It's so bad. It's gotten so dark. Let's just see who makes it out. Let's just see how it's going to work out. Let's just see if it's going to work out right and it's going to be okay. Let's see if there's maybe five comes out. No, he's got, he's got lights burning down there. And he's watching over them just as he was. Amen. Watching over those three Hebrew children. And they were going down towards that fire. Amen. God was watching. He's not indifferent towards your situation. He cares about it. You may feel people are indifferent and they don't care and maybe they don't, but God cares. You know, I was in, uh, I was in uh, Kentucky one time, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And I, I, I was, we was actually there for the National Dairy Goat Show. We had dairy goats at that time. We were there for the National Dairy Goat Show and Brother, um, um, my goodness, the name is slipping me right now. The brother there in Louisville had invited me and um, Brother Tim to minister at his church on Sunday. And we're there, and I come out, Dad preaches Sunday morning, I preach Sunday night. And as I'm walking out, God just drops a thought in my heart, and I go out and preach on let my people go. Just took the scripture out and preached it. And God moved in such a powerful way, and people were set free, and things had taken place. 
And, 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 as, and so the next morning, the next morning, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm there getting ready for the show. And uh, Dad said, well, you need to go to Walmart and get some things. I forget what it was. And, and so I said, okay. And I, it was real early in the morning. And he said, could you go grab those things? We need them. And so I took off. And as I'm going down the road, I'm just driving. And I'm, I'm going down to, uh, to Walmart or whatever it was and going to pick it up. I got it on my mind. And I think, man, I'm a little hungry. I ought to find me something to eat. And where's the McDonald's? And I look up, and there's a Cracker Barrel. And it says, it's something like, go in there. Like, no, I ain't got time to go in there. I can't sit down and have a meal. I, matter of fact, I don't even like Cracker Barrel. So I'm driving. I'm getting closer. Go in there. Go in there. So I said, well, okay. And I pulled. I just I couldn't get away from it. I pulled in there. and I walk in, and I'm kind of like, what am I doing here? What, why, why am I in this situation? I need, you know, I'm kind of getting nervous. I need to be down there. And, you know, all the things going through your mind. And the guy, the lady comes to seek me. And she walks past all the empty seats all the way to the other end of the restaurant. Sets me down in the corner. And I'm looking out. I'm going to order real quick. Get it out of here. And I'm trying to. And I hear, see somebody walk up. And I hear this voice says, I know you. So, you do? I look at I said, you know me? She said, yeah, I know you. And she, I said, no, I, no, you don't know me. I, I'm not from here. I'm from Louisiana. She said, oh, no, yeah, I know you. Your brother Timothy Pruitt. I said, yep, you know me. <laughs> she said, well, I'll be honest with you. She said, you won't re- wouldn't recognize me. I was, I was at the service last night and said I was out, out in and out with a grandchild or something or a child. And, and I, 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 was, uh, I was dealing with that situation and said, but you know, you're preaching and I was hearing it and, and God was moving so supernatural in our situation. And this morning I got up and I was, my husband works right down the street there at FedEx and, and I was just asking God, I was, Lord, please, I, I got to hear from you one more time that you, you really care about my situation. I, I, I want to hear one more time. And I, me and my husband are talking about it. It would be so wonderful if God would just let us know we're in such a terrible situation. We don't know which way to turn, but I know I heard last night, God, God cares. And I want him to, I want to know this. He care about me. And I just looked at her and I said, sister, I wasn't ever planning on being here. I didn't have no mind to be here. Matter of fact, I was supposed to already be back. I said, but I was driving by here and God spoke to me and said, come in here. And, and this lady set me all the way across here to be in your section. I said, I guess I'm here to tell you one thing. God cares. Amen. Amen. And maybe that's all I can get over you today. Amen. God cares about you. You say, well, I lost my loved one. God cares. I mean, I've been through a lot of battles. God cares. I'm having a lot of mental issues. God cares. I'm having all kinds of problems. God cares. And he's zealous about you. And he wants you to know, I love you. Amen. I know how it is, though, with young people. They get, they get to this place, you know. You ask them, how you doing? I'm good. Hey, don't look at me like I'm crazy. I was a young person too. Been a few years, but I was there. More years than I care to admit, but I was there. I'm good. It's cool. What's all the words now? I don't know. There's, there's words now that I don't even know. It's all good. <laughs> And meanwhile, their minds have been torn up. Inside, they're so wore out spiritually, and, they, and they're so tore up to where de- devils are talking them into suicides. 
Oh, yeah, I know, I'm, I know where I'm at. Amen. You get situations and the devil makes you think you're so alone and nobody cares about you and nobody understands. Amen. And you're by yourself and, you're, and you're, he's just about to talk you off a cliff. But God cares. And he's zealous enough to let you know. He'll send a crazy guy from Louisiana. Amen. All the way up here with a crazy accent and act crazy and looks crazy to tell you, I love you. I created you. Matter of fact, I have wrote your names in the palm of my hand. I cared so much for you that I came down and I became a young person just like you are. So I would know what it was like to deal with young people's thoughts. I would know what it's like to have to deal with a suicide demon that would come against me and say, hey, just throw off, throw yourself off of this building and we'll know you're God. Yeah. What was going on? God, Jesus was having a mind battle. Yeah. The devil was working on him trying to take his very life yeah. in a perverted way. He was going to give his life, but the devil was trying to take his life. And this is what God wants you to do. He don't want to take your life. He wants you to give your life. Give your life to him and let him do something for you. He's a God of zeal. He's not indifferent concerning you. He knows what you're going through. The zeal of the Lord will, or the host, Lord of hosts will perform what he said he would do. You know, Brother Brown was saying like this in spiritual adoption. He said, how I want him to say, well done. Amen. Not by the skin of my teeth, but it was well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord, for you did well with what you had to do with. You say, well, Brother Timothy, I'm not as gifted as some of these. Well, I ain't either. Amen. I, I don't want to pick on our young brother right there, the red-headed fella. But when God poured out the gifts, he poured a bucket on top of him. And I get jealous. I want to play the piano. I want to play the guitar. I want to play the bass. I want to do that. But that wasn't what God gave me. But no matter how you, how insignificant you feel today, and you feel like I can't do anything, you're still important to God. <laughs> you say, well, I just feel like nothing. Well, let me tell you, if you feel like you're the skin on the bottom of his feet, try walking without skin on the bottom of your feet. It's, it's not possible. It hurts. Get a little cut down there and see how hard it is to walk. Amen. That skin becomes very important. Amen. But I can read over in Revelations 10 when that angel put his foot down upon the land, upon the sea. Amen. He's putting it over the, amen, over the demon powers in the land and in the sea. And when you're, you might be the skin on the bottom of his feet, but guess what? That still means every devil's under you. So you're very important to the economy of God. You're very important to this church or whatever church you go to, even though you may not feel like it. Well, I'm not a soul leader. I'm not this. I'm not that. But be the best amen or you can be. Be the best Christian you can be. Show the love of God greater. Amen. Do whatever you can for the kingdom of God. 
Amen. You may not be somebody in the little orchestra that just does a little tinkle, tinkle sound. But when you get your time, play it with all your heart. Give everything you got to this gospel. Never forget my uncle that lives beside me had a grand, has a grandson and he got into video games and he became very good at video games. And it took up all of his time and his efforts and he became very zealous about this game and that game. And he can tell you all about it. And, you know, we had a guy show up at youth camp. Somebody had brought him. One of, he was a friend of one of the kids that was supposed to be a message kid. Anyway, they'd gotten a video game world and this boy showed up. You know what his claim to flame, fame was? He was number three in the world. Woohoo! At a video game. And when he dies, that's all he's got. Number three in the world. Number three in the world. Number three in the world. And all the time and the wasted effort he gave, and he was so zealous, and he was so into and so passionate about it, to where he became number three in the world. And that's his claim to fame. And my uncle would tell this grandson, he said, son, you know, if you'd put as much energy in that video game, and you'd put it in, he bought, bought him a nice guitar, and he brought it to him. He said, I want, I, I, I want you to take this guitar, and I want you to put as much energy and passion in this guitar as you have those video games, and let's see what God will do with it. Before long, that, that boy became, he's actually a, really a world-class guitarist because it became his passion. It became everything that he thought about. And drank. I mean, you, you'd, see him at a, you'd, see, you'd see him at a youth event. He'd have his guitar. You'd see him after church. He'd go out and sit on, a, on, the, on the tailgate, pull it down on his truck, and he'd out there playing on his guitar. It became his drive and his passion. And I tell you, church, uh, young people, if you would have that and you would turn that energy you got towards the things of God, toward the things of God and the tapes and reading your Bible and praying, amen, you would be a lot further down the road. Amen. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Our passion becomes this boy or this girl or this, what am I going to do for a living? What am I going, where am I going to go to school? And that becomes our thoughts and our drives. Amen. Your first thought and your first passion should be the word of God. Because he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I want him to say, well done. I just heard, just heard of a young lady left a message, turned it down, walked away, went down the road to those disbelieve the sign people. Come back now she's got tattooed across her fingers. Well done, she said. I wanted to tattoo it on my hands because I know I'll never hear it. That hits pretty deep. I want to hear it. I want to hear him say, you've done well. He says, maybe you're a housewife. If you are, man, God made you a teacher of your children. Do a good job of it. But regardless of what you do, do it well. Notice, he said, if the children did prove to be real worthy of things the father had in his kingdom, this is spiritual adoption. He said, he'd been faithful child. The tutor brought the message, oh, your son. He said, that's what the message I want him to bring for you and I. Your son, his whole thoughts are upon you. 
All he's trying to do is please you. He's so interested in your affair till it's hard to hold him down. He said, I would rather be a little overzealous about the Father's kingdom than to have no zeal for it at all. He said, the church of Christ preacher told me some time ago, Brother Branham, I would rather wear out than rust out. He said, that's a lot of truth. I would rather wear out than, and die in the harness than to refuse to have the harness on. You can't do nothing any worse than neglect to try. Let us do all we can with what we have to do with. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But the question is why? When God makes a provision or makes a way of escape for people and they refuse it, then God asks the question, why? This is Jeremiah 8 and verse 22. He says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? This is the question that Jeremiah, under the inspiration of God, asked as he brought this message many years ago to the temple. The city and the people had all together gone away from God. And God told Jeremiah, to the, told Jeremiah the prophet to go stand at the gate and say these words. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? And if there is, why is the health of my daughter, my people, which is the church, not recovered? The question is why, when God makes a provision... Why will we not take it? When God provides the ability to live an overcoming life, why would we not accept it? When God gives the ability, amen, to live above sin and live above pornography and live above things of this life, why would we not accept it? He said, I wonder, he said, when this United States of America, which is my home sweet home, when God's great book is opened at the day of judgment and this nation is brought under judgment, when he points his finger to the ministries that have crossed forward, back and forth to this nation, preaching the gospel, showing great signs and wonders of his coming, and the angels of God who accompany the ministry standing there to witness, when America is asked, why did you not repent? He said, I wonder what answer they'll have. But when they continually give it, Listen to this, give in to the devices of the devil. As the gospel moves, they become more radical in their sin every year. Then, well, let me see what year this was. This was 1959. Imagine what he would say today. They become more radical in their thinking and more radical in their ways and more radical to where we are now not considered normal. We're far from normal. The world is what they consider normal. What's normal now is to have, amen, same-sex marriages and all these. That's what's normal now. It's almost more normal, amen, to have a purple hairdo than have a black hair, red hair, or any kind of other. It's, everything else has become more normal. Sin has become greater. So we're living in that great day when great signs of the Lord are appearing. Ministers anointed with the Spirit of God are preaching their hearts out. And people are still ignoring it. He said, I wonder what kind of answer is going to be given at the judgment. Why did you not accept it? Why? Well, I, want, I, I, I just got to know it's God. Well, you know, there was a man one time. There was flood came. 
in his house, the water was rising, rising, rising. And he was sending out signals, help, help, help. I need help. I'm dying. I'm going to die. My family's going to perish. Man comes in a boat, comes by, pulls up to his house, says, get on. Man said, no. He said, I'm not going to get on that. I'm waiting on God. Water kept going until he got on his roof. And he gets up to where there's just barely enough peak up there. And he's got his little family huddled up. And the helicopter comes on, drops a basket and says, get on. He says, no, I'm waiting on God. And they end up perishing and they go before God. And God says, he said, well, God, why didn't you help me? He said, what do you mean why didn't I help you? I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. I sent all kinds. You just would not accept what I had sent. Amen. We don't want to be guilty of that. Amen. When we get on the other side, we don't want to hear the question why. We want to hear well done. We don't want to hear why didn't you give your heart to God when I gave you an opportunity on a Saturday about 2.30 in the afternoon and I give you an opportunity to fall more in love. Why didn't you do it? Well, I was just waiting for another. I was waiting for the right time. There's no better time than now. Run while he's open to you. Amen. Amen. You know, he said they're getting given in to the devices of the devil. Second Corinthians 2 and verse 11 said, Lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Yeah. And boy, doesn't he have some devices today. I guarantee you, every one of you got a device in your pocket. <laughs> oh, Brother Timothy, don't get on that, please. You know, when I was a kid, I had to go look for sin. I had to go look. I'm just going to say it out and open. I know some parents get offended by it, but it, they, they need to open their eyes and see what the devil's doing. I had to go look for pornography. That's right. That's the truth. Now you don't have to look for it. It's right in your pocket. Exactly. That's the truth. Amen. It's there calling at you. That siren song. You know what I'm talking about? Those sailors would go by and there would be those beautiful women singing over there and they knew if they would give into it, they was going to die. Yeah. That's exactly what is happening, amen, in our phones and things. And I, I you know, I'm guilty as anybody spending too much time, but we, we need to be really careful yeah. the time we give those things. Well, it was for business, it's for this, it's for that. And some of those things are needful and we live in an age that those things are, and, but you got to be careful with them because they're devices. They're ways that Satan can enter into your mind. And, and I can't tell you how many young people we prayed for that had visible manifestations of demons. And, you'd get, and, and those demons would leave. And as we heard last night, it wasn't just one. There's been many. And you'd talk to them later. And it's like, where did you pick this up? Where did this come from? And almost every one of them would say from pornography, boy or girl. It's a rampant problem. It's running rampant in our, our young people, and not just our young people. It's running rampant in our churches and the older ones and everybody else. Why? Because it's so accessible. The devil has made sin so accessible. You don't have to go look for it. You don't have to go down the street and buy a magazine no more. You don't have to go. It is there right before you. If there ever was a time that you need a real birth, it's now. Amen. If there ever was a time that you needed a real moment with Jesus, it's right now. Amen. 
Amen. Let's don't wait for another service. Let's don't wait for another moment. If you need him, you need him right now. I'm going to tell you, when you get in those prayer lines and places and you see those manifestations of the devil, my young son, Andrew, amen, he said, he said one thing it done for me. He said, I saw that and them demons come out and I saw those faces change. I saw, I heard them speak. I saw that the devil was real. He said, but not only did I see that the devil was real, I saw God was real. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe the devil tries to set traps and he tries to do things and it always backfires on him. I hope this morning you can find out one thing. God is real. It's a real God with a real message, with a real purpose, and he has a purpose for your life. You're not here by accident. Well, you don't know, Brother Timothy. My family didn't even plan my coming. They, it just happened. God planned it. They may not have planned it, but God planned it. God put it there. God placed it there. God placed you here. Listen, do you know how many, I, I, you can't even count the odds of being born in a home that believes the message. Could have been born in a million, billion different homes at a million, billion different times. But God chose to put you here. And not only did he choose to put you here, he would watch over your fathers and grandfathers, great-grandfathers. All He would watch over them through wars and watch over them through wrecks and watch over them because it was a seed that had to come through. He was zealous over you. He was watching over you. He was preparing for you. He wanted you. Oh, hallelujah. If you could get that revelation, God wants me. He desires me. He wants me. He wants my fellowship. He wants my love. He wants my abilities. He wants everything I have. There's so many devices Satan's devices, as I said, it gets you by yourself and makes you think nobody else cares about you. Nobody understands and nobody's worried about your situation. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's making fun. And meanwhile, everybody's praying for you. But that's not what the devil wants you to know. He wants you to make you think when somebody looks at you and turns away, he wants you to make you think at that moment, oh, I knew they had a problem with me. No, they just all of a sudden thought of something else and needed to go take care of something. Had nothing to do with you. That's the devil's device. (laughs) And I know with young people, we want to be accepted. Come on now, be honest. We want to be accepted. We want want to be loved and cared for and thought of and we desire that. We want We want approval. And sometimes parents don't give it. They don't ever give that. Somehow, for some reason, there's a problem there, and they can't show the real love they ought to show as a father and mother or whatever, grandmothers, whatever. They can't, they can't show that sometimes. And it causes a problem on the inside of that child because they never heard, I love you. They never heard, amen, a real, had a hug or had a moment. Where they never had those moments, and it causes a, a thirst and a hunger. And the first thing you know, the devil enters in, and he starts turning that towards the wrong things. 
And they're chasing after this approval and that approval. And they get it and they got to go to somewhere else to get another approval. And they get it and they got to go somewhere else. They're never satisfied because there is a longing there. But if they could ever take a thirst, take a drink, amen, from the well of God. That thirst has been on the inside of you. You thought you was thirsty for drugs. You thought you was thirsty, amen, for a woman. You thought you was thirsty for this, that, and the other. No, what you've really been thirsty for is a drink from the eternal well of Almighty God. If you could ever get a drink, amen, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. He wants to fulfill every desire of your heart. One time in the scripture after the death of Ahab, one of Israel's most wicked kings, his son Hezekiah followed him on the throne. Ahab, one of the most wicked, but his son Hezekiah, one day he was walking in his upper porch and he fell through lattice and he hurt himself and he took some sort of disease. And then he called two of his men and sent them over to Ekron, to the God of Beelzebub to consult his prophets. Was he going to recover or not? And Elisha the Tishbite, being a true prophet of God, the Holy Spirit came to envision and said, go stand in the way. He said, see, God will block your way. Now listen to the statement. It's not easy to go to hell. It's hard to go to hell. Oh, man. Well, I thought straight. I thought wide was the way. Prophet God said, it's not easy. He said, God will try to block you every part. He'll try to stop you. He'll try to turn you. He'll try to be there. He'll send a preacher your way. He'll send this one, that one. He'll do whatever it takes. Amen. God sends his messengers. He sends prophets. He sends his gospel. He makes his church a flaming fire. And men constantly fight right over it. He sends it out on the waves or the radio or television. He sends the published word. He sends it from lip to ear. And men are constantly walk right over it. He said, but God sends it anyhow. Why will you go to Ekron, to Beelzebub? Because there's no prophet in Israel. Is there no God there? That's the reason people today go deliberately to drunken parties and dances at night, gamble, cheat try to make a lot of money isn't because is it because there's no pleasure in God wow is it because there's no no pleasure in God the very reason that you thirst for that is because you are rejecting God God made a man to thirst but to thirst after him but after you turn that down, the devil tries to satisfy that thirst with drinking or smoking or gambling or things on your phone. It's because we haven't got a Holy Spirit. Is it because we ain't got a Holy Spirit that brings joy? It's because, is it because that there's no satisfaction? It's Christ. Is it in Christ that you seek those things? Is that why you're going after it? But I'm telling you, there is satisfaction in Christ. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. This joy can be given to you. I've got a joy that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. Hallelujah. I've got a word that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. Hallelujah. I wonder how many young people will say, I've got something that the devil didn't give and for the devil can't take it away. Hallelujah. Is it because that there's not something there? Is there no pleasure in serving Christ? Is that the reason men do what they do? He said, that why they would continually drink and then go to church for recovering? 
<laughs> have you never tasted the Lord yet? Have you never known how good he is? If a man ever come to the fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, plunge beneath that swirl, plunge beneath that, the sins of the world and all the devil could offer would be as dead as midnight. It's because they refuse to do it. It's because they refuse to receive the Holy Spirit, God's bomb. It reminds me of a man dying on the doctor's doorsteps. A man died because he refused to take the remedy for his disease. If the doctor's got a remedy for your disease and you say, I won't take it, you could sit on his doorstep close to it and you'd still die because you refuse the remedy. Don't then don't lay it on the doctor. He's got the remedy. You need to lay it on your stubbornness not to receive it. It wasn't because there wasn't no God in Israel. It wasn't because there wasn't no prophet there. It was because the king was too stubborn. He hated the prophet. He said, that's what's the matter with today. There's, no, there's satisfaction. There's healing for soul, body, and Christ. But the people are too stubborn. Amen. <laughs> well, Brother Timothy, I wanted to shout in service. Well, we're getting there. That's the reason they die in their sins on the church steps. Sitting right on church pews. It wasn't because there wasn't a remedy. It was given every service. Come ye to the Lord. Come and seek him. Come and find him. And it was pleading and pleading and pleading. I don't need. You know, we, like I said, we had goats. Goat would get sick. My dad was almost as, he was really, the vet would have to call him sometimes to see what to do for a goat. He was pretty well, well versed in taking care of goats. And uh, some, some one of the preachers started giving him a hard time about that. He said, well, should preachers have goats? And he said, I figure every preacher's pastored a few goats. <laughs> but you know, you'd see a goat sick and you would so kind of look at it and say, well, this is Ears are drooping down. It's kind of hunched over. It's, it's got, he needs a, needs a dose of this or that. And you go draw it up in the medicine and pull it up in the syringe. He's going to give it a shot or sometimes you'd put it down their throat. And you know what? That goat didn't have a choice. He'd, I'd go out there and he'd say, hey, son, I need you to give that one a shot. It's got this and I need you to do this. I'd walk over there and I'd grab that goat and I'd either put his head between my legs, whatever I had to do give it to them, open their mouth, pull it up, and give it down their throat. That goat didn't have a choice. That's the difference between you and a goat. The pastor can see that you're sick. They can see when things ain't going good. You say, well, I'm okay. Well, you're not, you, might hide it, you might hide it from your mom and daddy, but you're not ever hiding it from the Spirit of Almighty God. God will anoint a man, and he'll show him things, and he'll show that there's sickness that's inside of you, and he'll begin to study on something and begin to preach, and he'll play, lay it all out there. But the choice is he can't come over there and grab you around the throat and say, take it. No, you have to take it for yourself. You have to say, God, that is me. I see myself there, and I'm going to accept that remedy so I don't have to die of this disease. Yeah. Amen. There is a disease that's going out through the land, and it's worse than COVID ever thought about being. It's the Laodicean flu, and it's killing people by the thousands. Why? Not because there wasn't no remedy. There is a Holy Ghost that'll put, it up, put them above Laodicea and above the things of the world and above all the things that are going on, but they refuse it. Yeah. Pleasures of sin are for a season. It's only for a moment. 
wow, if I could just marry that girl, it's only for a moment. Oh, if I could just get that job, it's only for a moment. Oh, if I could just do that, it's only for a moment. You may live in the best house. You might b- drive the best fleet of Cadillacs or Camaros or whatever cars are out there. You might be the most popular. You might be the king of the party, the life and the fun of your group, but you'll never be satisfied till you tasted God's eternal life by the Holy Spirit. That's God's toxin. That's the only thing that'll work. That's the only one thing. See, he said the number one killer in the land is not heart disease. As we're told, the number one killer is sin disease. The disease of sin is killing the world. He said, I often made this statement, it isn't the robin that pecks the apple that kills the apple. It's the worm in the core that kills the apple. It isn't communism that's killing America. It isn't other nations that's polluting this nation. It's the sin in the nation that's polluting itself. It's the immorals of the people. And, and thousands of those are called Christian by name. And the world sees them no different in, in them than any other person. Therefore, Christianity has become so weak. You talk to anybody, I'm a Christian. What do you mean? I'm a Christian. Talk to a man, you know, smoking a cigarette, and you ask him, don't you think there's, oh, uh, you know, I believe that when, uh, you ready for the rapture? Oh, yeah, I'm ready for the rapture. Just any day, I'm going to go. He said, hey, when that rapture comes, I'm going to throw this cigarette down, and I'm going to go in the rapture. Everybody's a Christian. Because Christianity's become so weak. People have begun to not even realize anymore that, as we read in the Bible, they're naked and they don't even know it. Their minds have become so overcome by spirits, they can walk out before you naked. Brother Brown says it's going to get so bad. And it's becoming more and more prevalent. And it's becoming more and more prevalent in our churches and, 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 and things and dresses. and, and not just, Listen, it ain't just girls. It's boys too. Listen, it ain't just girls that needs to hold a standard. It's boys too. But now we got it where it's cool for a boy to go get a perm and get curly hair. What, that, that's becoming a sissy. That's not cool. That's becoming styles of the world. Where'd you pick it up at? You know, I had, a, I had a boy one time that was asking me about wearing shorts. I, it ain't wrong wearing shorts. I can go through all the quotes. I can do this and I can do that. It ain't nothing wrong wearing shorts. He said, what do you think about it? I said, well, why are you asking me? You already got your mind made up. That's what my thoughts were. But I thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about it, and I'll come talk to you. So I went in prayer about it, and I was like, and I, he gave me all of his, the whole list of quotes he had found, and he, he had his, all of his reasonings of how it used to be shorts were up here, and now they're down here, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I, I just went in and started praying about it, and he said, he had made this statement. He said, I just think, wouldn't you maybe think that this was just Brother Branham's opinion? I said, man, I get, I get, you get on some very treacherous ground when you go down that road. So I'm praying about it, and I ask God, what kind of answer can I give this boy, Lord? What can I, or this young man, what can I do? What, where, what, where can, I, what, what can I say? I, I don't even know. And, and all of a sudden, it's dropped in my heart. said, if it's just his opinion, ask him what influenced that opinion. 
I got to thinking about it. Could it be that what influenced, if you want to just call the things, of, these kind of things of the message, just Brother Branham's opinion, could it be, amen, that it was the angel of God that visited him night after night? That might have had an influence on what just his opinion. Therefore, if that's so, what, and you have a different opinion, let me ask you the question, what's influencing your opinion? Is it Hollywood? Is it things you're looking at? Is it fads and fashions of the world? What is influencing what you do? (laughs) The zeal of my father's house. He wants a clean vessel. He wants clean hearts. He he don't want just a a, a law or just going through the motions. Listen, young people, we need to be more than just going through the motions. Amen, more than just showing up and clapping our hands and raising our hands. Amen, that's what I used to do my whole life. I'd sit on the front pew right there and I would raise my hand. But just as sinful as I could be. But one day God came on the scene for me. And I met him personally for myself. And that same God is here this morning. And he's got a remedy. He's got a remedy. But will you take it? He's got a remedy for your issues. Your depression, he's got a remedy for it. Your anxieties and your fears, he's got a remedy for it. You're never feeling worthy enough, he's got a remedy for it. You never feel in love, he's got a remedy for it. You never feeling that you'll ever make it, he's got a remedy for it. Hmm. Hallelujah. The zeal of my father's house. Is it not because, is it because there's not a bomb? No. It's because people refuse to take it. The devil's there trying every kind of way to tear you down. Trying to tear at you. I've, I've talked to more young people that has fought suicidal spirits in these last couple of years. Some of them even taking their life. That suicidal spirit is one of the most selfish spirits there ever was. Makes you turn so inward to all you can think about is yourself. And you don't realize the pain and the suffering you're going to cause when you take your life. And the mom and the dad that's going to cry buckets of tears in churches. Church is going to be tore up because of the situation. And we, no, it's all about me. There's a remedy for that. There's a peace that passes all understanding. There's a joy that can come into your heart and set you free from all those things. Listen, we don't come to church to occupy a pew. We don't come to church to just hear a good sermon or to hear good music. They all got their place, but we better come to church. What we come to church for is to check up with God. And our soul salvation for the day of redemption is near. Jesus Christ's son likened this. He said to a woman, and he said a woman had lost her coin. 
on her tablet, they, were, they used to wear a, a, a ring of coins around their head, and they signified different things, virtue and all kinds of things. And one day she lost a coin, and he said she became so zealous to find it because her husband was returning, and she was going to do everything that she had to find that lost coin. And she, was going, she became so, that's all that could occupy her mind, let me find it. She would dust, and she would clean, and she would clean the closets out, and she would full, turn the couches upside down, and she would do everything if I could just find that lost coin yeah. you say well brother Timothy the Holy Ghost ain't for me well have you become passionate about seeking for it seeking seek and you shall find me knock and it shall be open I ain't talking about a five minute dried eyed down at the altar saying, Lord, forgive me. I need you. Thank you. Amen. No, I'm talking about dying out. Saying, Lord, I got to have it. I don't care what it takes. It's where you got to get. I don't care if I lose friends, if I lose this, if I lose that. If all my plans fall, go with sand through my fingers, what I want is that coin. That coin has more value than anything else. <laughs> hey, if you won that lottery and you won a $1.3 billion, ain't hard enough. Nobody in this whole building could keep you in your seat. Shouting and carrying on that you would do. Or if you just got a million dollars in the, in the mailbox and you, yeah, well, look at that, there's a million dollars. Wow. No, no, it'd be something on the inside of you moving. Because you want something that's temporary. And here today, in every service, and every day, there's something available to you that's not temporary. It's eternal. It's a coin of great price. There was a flower one time this man, as we bring this down, this man found. It was supposedly a magic flower. Ever heard this story? And he found it and said, yeah, I'm a magic flower and I can open up whatever you ask. And you, he said, open up to me the treasures of the earth and open it up. And he runs down in this hole and he finds this big giant diamond. And he lays the flower down and he picks up that diamond. He goes, oh, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be so wealthy. I, I can't believe what I'm going to be able to buy. And he hears his voice saying, you're forgetting the main thing. What in the world could that be? And he goes back in and he puts it all back down. He said, well, what is, well, there was this huge thing of gold and he gets him a wheelbarrow and he gets it lifted up in here and he pushes it over and he starts going out and he's going, whoo, I can't believe what I'm, you're forgetting the main thing. He goes back and he's like, what, what could be better than this? And he looks around and there's this huge emerald that would be worth millions more than gold. And he picks it up and he throws it over his wheelbarrow and he's going out. And he says, here's his voice, you're forgetting the main thing. He's like, oh, forget it. And he just throws it down and he walks out and the cave closed behind him with a flower inside of it. What was it? What could give him all of that he was leaving behind? Don't leave behind the main thing. You can have education. You can have jobs. You can have whatever you want to have. But don't forget what's really the main thing. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Maybe it's just a little different than what you expected today. But it's what God laid on my heart.
Music can come, yeah. Just play something softly. The zeal of my father's house. (laughs) What about you today? Only you know if you forgot the main thing. Have you felt just unworthy, uncared for, unloved? But Timothy, does God really love me? Yeah. He loved you so much that he came and gave his life for you. It's more than just a story. It's reality. It's reality. Where are you at today? Be honest. Comes down to a showdown. Where are you at? Are you really, truly where you need to be with God? You sold out. You're going to be sold out to something. Who you sold out to? Are you passionate? You're going to be passionate about something. What are you passionate about? What truly drives you? We're too late in the hour to be playing games. we just have an old-fashioned prayer together. You who wants to make a real step with God, wants to find His love and mercy for your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Unless you would like to get, I want you to get up out of your seat and let's pray together about these things. Walk down here to this aisle, this altar. If you want to really make a real surrenderance. Yes, Lord. Now, I want you other young people, I want you to put your hands and your arms around your loved ones. If there's been somebody you've been praying for and you see them, go to them. Amen. Maybe just kind of move around right here. Just keep moving. Let some of these others in. Yeah. Hallelujah. God's here to do something real. He's here to do something real. Lord, I I, I need to know you for myself. In a real way, Lord. I'm sorry for playing games. I'm sorry, Lord, that I have allowed other things to take preeminence in my life. Sorry, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. 
Jesus. I want you to just go to talking to him. He's here. Just talk to him as you would a friend. You don't have to have real eloquent words. You don't have to be able to say a whole lot of things very in just the right way. Just talk to him. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Father, for my life, Father. I, I will, I, I've lost my coin. I, I've lost something that's real. I, I want you, Lord, more than anything. I want you, Father. I, I want a real passion for your word. I want a real passion for you, Lord, and, and the things of God. I see this world is crumbling all around me, and I see, Lord, there's no hope here left. There's nothing that I can lean on. There's nothing that I can depend on in this world. I got to have you. I got to have you, Jesus. He's here for you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we come to you today as these young people, Lord. Your presence is so real, Lord. I almost don't even know what to say. I, I, I can't only get words to come out, Father. You're here, Lord, to show yourself, Father, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, I defy every spirit of hell that would try to hinder them, Lord, and try to hold them and try to bind them, every spirit of fear and anxiety and unworthiness and every spirit, Lord, that would try to tell them they're not good enough and they'll never make it and it's not for them. I defy you in the name of Jesus Christ. You loose them and let them go for the glory of God. I declare freedom into every heart and every life. Lord, let the Holy Ghost sweep to this place, Lord, to every heart, Father. Lord, there may be someone here that's been away from you for a long time but God may they find you Lord granted Jesus I pray break every wall Lord Lord it might have been something that somebody said that hurt them very deeply but Lord may there be a bomb in Gilead a salve Lord that can be poured over that wound and Lord healing come to that heart I pray Satan, you take your dirty, rotten hands off of every child of God that's here around this altar. Every son, every daughter, every child of God. They're not yours. They never belong to you. You let them go in Jesus' name. And let the liberty of the Holy Ghost come into their hearts, Father. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I rebuke fear. I rebuke anxiety. I push against the darkness. I take my sword and I draw it with everything thing I have and I swing against the enemy. I say take your dirty rotten hands off of God's property. In Jesus name every device be thrown down at your feet. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh yes just pray to him. Just talk to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You make your request known to him right now. Lord, come by my way. You reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. 
Oh, God, we ask, Father, that the Spirit of God would come upon these hearts. Break every chain, I pray. Every hurt, Lord, that's been passed down through generations. You release them, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare liberty right now in the house of God. I declare liberty for every heart and for every life. Satan, you held them long enough. They're not yours. They're coming out of the pawn shop. They've been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The blood is against you, Satan. Hallelujah. Let freedom ring in every heart and every life, we pray. God, we commit these hearts to you, Lord Jesus, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But you keep on searching. Oh, my. I've done all the work, but you keep on working when you're running on empty and you can't find the remedy. Oh, just come to the well. Just come oh, to the well. To the well. Spend your whole life chasing what's missing, but that empty inside, oh Jesus, it just ain't gonna listen when nothing can satisfy and the world leaves you high and dry. Oh, just come to the well, just come to the well. Come to the well. 
And all who thirst will thirst no more. Hallelujah! And all who search will find what their souls are longing for. The world will try, but it can never fail. Just leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. And come to the well. So bring me your heart. No matter how it's broken. No matter how broken. Just come as you are. When your last prayer is spoken, oh, just rest in my arms a while, and you'll feel the change, my child, when you come to the well, and all who thirst will thirst no their souls are long for the world will try but it can never fail just leave it all behind and come to the world I have what you need but you keep on searching done all the work but you keep on working when you're running on empty and you can't find the remedy just come to the well and all who thirst will thirst no search will find what their souls are longing for the world will try but it can never fail leave it all behind and come to the well you can spend your whole life just chasing what's missing oh but that empty inside it just ain't gonna listen so when nothing can satisfy and the world leaves you high and dry oh just come to the well and all whose thirst will thirst no more and all who search will find what their souls are longing for the world will try but it can never fail leave it all behind and come to the world.